Wandering Journo at Stories That Matter Studios. I'm Nance Haxton, and this is The Streets of Your Town. The podcast that takes you on an audio journey through theatre of the mind, highlighting a different slice of Australian life each episode. It's a truth not widely known beyond those who live there, but the Gold Coast is indeed a tale of two cities. Locals such as Rob Layton, senior teaching fellow in journalism at Bond University, know this all too well. Regardless of the weather, you can find Rob at Burley Beach on the southern end of the Gold Coast, surfing and taking photos as the sun rises for another day. And he's also wanting to spread the word on how that phone in your pocket is capable of much more than just taking good selfies. So, Rob, Leighton, thank you for joining us on Streets of Your Town. Yeah, hi, Nance. Well, thanks for having me. And here we are on the beautiful Burley headland, would we say, looking at the surf and the surfers on a quiet weekday afternoon down here. Yep, down down on Burley Hill. uh, Definitely the best part of the Gold Coast as far as I'm concerned. I'm here every day. I've been living here for, well, first time I ever came to Burley actually was 1986. (laughs) And that was when I was a young reporter coming down to report on the Stubbies Classic. Truly, Stubbies, that's fantastic. The whole place was packed with people. In fact, we just had the uh, the Single Fin Classic here only a couple of days ago. So Mm. kind of reliving the old days of the Stubbies. Yeah, it's a lovely place to be. And have you been living here ever since? You came down here as a cub reporter? Yeah, look, I have uh, you know, worked a few other places, but I came to the Gold Coast, fell in love with my patch of the Gold Coast, mm. which is basically Burley in the back of Burley. So uh, we've, we've got a bit of acreage up the back in, in the hinterland, so it's only 15 minutes from the beach. So I really get the best of both worlds and, you know... I mean, last year did quite a bit of travel. I was, you know, in the UK and Ireland. I went to California. And uh, the more I travel, the more I realise how special this place is and how how good we really have it. You know, I'm so grateful to live here and I really, uh, I honestly don't take it for granted at all. Every day I just think we're just blessed to have uh, such abundant beauty and such a fabulous lifestyle. I mean, my friends in London... Uh, envy my lifestyle uh, and for good reason Um, I just wouldn't live anywhere else So where did you grow up? Well I grew up, uh, I was born in Ipswich just behind Brisbane but um, my my parents' families um, both uh, are from the Sunshine Coast, my dad's from the Sunshine Coast so I grew up uh, kind of in Ipswich and then um, uh, mostly on the Sunshine Coast around Noosa Yandina uh, and Caloundra so, um, in fact, I'd never come to the Gold Coast until 1986. So, um, that kind of growing up, really, I just love the, 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 the sleepy coastal town type environment. And, um, and then coming down to Burley, it's like how I grew up almost. I mean, it's faster paced now, of course, but it still has that quieter, uh, more relaxed style that... that I just really enjoy it. So a lot of people might be surprised to hear that. I think, Rob, there's a bit of a kind of glitzy image sometimes with the Gold Coast. Yeah. What do you think? Is, is Burley a bit apart, set apart from that? Well, look, you know, the Gold Coast is definitely um, a city of two halves. The northern <laughs> Gold Coast is is, is the, uh, the glitz and the glamour. And if you want that, that's fine. You know, there's the uh, the high rises. But We're looking at it right now. Well, we are looking at it right now. But um, well, you might be looking at it. I'm actually watching the waves. But... <laughs> <laughs> You've got your priorities set. That's right. 
But, um, but when, once you hit the Burley headland, the Gold Coast nature uh, changes completely and we have the southern Gold Coast which is really beach orientated, surf orientated, it's where all the, the headlands are and the, well, the world's best surfing of course and, um, uh, and that's what I really enjoy. So down to Coolangatta, Cooley's great, um, Kira, Greenmount, it's all perfect. It's lovely. I love it. <laughs> and uh, of course, I was going to bring my phone, uh, my camera with me today oh, yes. to take some photos. But then I thought that would just not suit this interview, Rob, because you've been getting quite a name for yourself, not only as a Bond University lecturer of note, but also for your iPhone photography. Now, this is not just taking selfies. No, you won't find me taking selfies. <laughs> <laughs> it's, no. it's really another world apart from that, yeah. bit like golf. Yeah, yeah. Look, you know, my, my interest in photography goes way back to the old analogue, you know, film mm-hmm. days. And, you know, when I was a cadet reporter, all my mates were photographers. And, mm-hmm. and I always thought, oh, what you're doing is so much cooler than what I'm doing, <laughs> you know. So um, I, I took a real strong interest in, and they, they helped teach me photography. So I got into it mostly as a hobby, but then I started pursuing it more professionally. But I, I kind of gave it away when digital photography took over in the uh, early to mid-90s because I, it just meant I would have to go out and outlay all this money for new yeah. bodies. And it just I just went, well, I just don't have the cash and I'm not going to do it. It wasn't until really smartphones started developing in the last few years that the camera technologies were so good I realised, well, you know what, I can really take nice photos with this. And so... I started taking photos with my iPhone and in, in fact it was on a family holiday to the UK where my wife was taking photos with her iPhone and her pictures were better than what I was taking with the DSLR that I had at the time. And I thought, well, well bugger me, what do I need all this kit for when I can take great photos with an iPhone? And so I've, from that moment on I, I haven't looked back and my photography now is exclusively iPhone. And, and really... What the advances in computational photography now, I'm, I'm really quite convinced that that is, is the future of photography, is, is computation. Because, well, and what is that? Well, Rob? computation basically means that the, the image-making process is a series of digital processes rather than optical processes. So with, with a traditional camera, it can do certain computer-aided type things in the camera, you know, with exposures and, or whatever. But what computational does with iPhones, and this is where a lot of the manufacturers are really starting to ramp up their game, is the photography and, and what, what would you would normally do in post-production in, say, an editing uh, software like Photoshop, where you can spend hours fiddling with this, that and the other, mm. it's now done in the camera while you're taking the photo. So Apple, when they released their iPhone XS last year, uh, one of their, their promotional campaigns was you know, more than one trillion operations per image. And that's true. That's what they actually do. So your, your phone is, is looking at a whole range of things. It's taking multiple exposures. It's merging pictures. It's doing all of this in a nanosecond of you pressing that button. So it's doing a lot of the heavy lifting for you. Uh, and that is, is where I see a lot of photography is going, is more into that computational space which is a fantastic thing because it makes photography more accessible to everybody. It's no longer just an exclusive hobby or profession for people who want to spend ten or twenty thousand dollars on on gear. You can buy an iPhone, and really, that's all you need. As well, apps to help you are very handy. But 
what more do you need than an iPhone and a couple of apps and you can take outstanding photos, really. Dare I say, but is it taking a bit of the skill out of photography, Rob? Are there some serious uh, photographers who would well, be a bit, you know, a bit well, worried about this? Well, Nance, the old saying is, <laughs> it's the photographer who takes the picture, not the camera. <laughs> but that's true. It is still the photographer. So, I mean, it's still just a tool. And, and computational photography is, is merely, you know, the, uh, uh, the power uh, for that tool. It's what powers the tool. So... You still need to think about composition. You still need to be, well, on the spot. You need to think about, you know, how you're going to uh, compose and expose. And, you know, the creative process still comes down to the photographer. The phone's not going to do it for you. But having said that, it is becoming a lot easier. And, well, I mean, isn't that a great thing? Surely the problem, though, here we are sitting next to this beautiful surf, an electronic phone. Yeah, that can't go into the places where you are on, on those beautiful waves. Oh, do you mean into that ocean? Yes. Uh, well, yes. Uh, well, of course, you can film with a smartphone in the ocean. Really? Yes, but, and this is something that a lot of people look at my underwater photography and go, do you just take your phone in as it is? <laughs> because it's waterproof. Well, <laughs> that's a push. Yeah. Well, there does have a water resistance rating, but no, I would not take my phone into the ocean. You do need to have uh, an underwater housing to put it in. But see, this is the other great thing about uh, mobile storytelling, and not, of course, I teach mobile journalism. And, and the great thing about it is the accessibility of uh, devices, but also the affordability. You know, so you don't need to spend tens of thousands of dollars on cameras because you've got a phone. Likewise. You know, a, a housing for a big DSLR to take it in the ocean will cost you five grand for a, for a really good one with all the bits and pieces. What I use, which is a professional grade housing made for iPhone, it cost me a couple of hundred bucks, <gasps> and and it's and, and it's terrific. I go out in some pretty pounding surf, and I do get pounded because to get the photos of waves, you've got to be right right where the action is, and that means quite often where the waves are crashing and so I, I, I get pounded a lot uh, out in the water but the housing I use is so robust that it, it cops a pounding and my phone is fine I get out of the water open it up and it's bone dry um, and I, I get some cracker photos I love getting out in the ocean it's one of my favourite things to do is get up pre-dawn four o'clock in the morning I get here just at first light first hint of light I paddle out with my you know with my my, my housing uh, and just start photographing, watching the sunrise. You know, there's usually a few surfers out by that time getting waves and, and uh, you know, by 6 o'clock I'm back on the beach having breakfast. It's... You're getting quite an Instagram following, I've noticed, Rob. I mean, because you do it every day and just to see the different moods of yeah. this same patch of ocean yeah. every single day is it's quite phenomenal, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Look, you know, I do love coming and just photographing Burley and all of its glory and, and, you know, whether it's a beautiful sunny day or not. Or, I mean, just the other day I came out and it was really, really overcast and uh, there wasn't very any, really any good quality waves. I'm thinking, oh, you know, I should have stayed in bed. And as I was thinking of that, a pot of dolphins came past me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so they actually, actually, they got so close that one of them started feeding right in front of me. I thought he was going to hit me. So, I mean, that's... The nature of the ocean is that it is ever-changing, and I, I mean, I just love experiencing it. So, I mean, you say, you know, I'm getting a bit of a following on Instagram. Well, you know, to be perfectly honest, I, I don't really care. A bit. No, I mean, you may find that sort of a bit funny, to, but 
but I really don't care because I, I do it not for followers. I honestly do it because I love taking photos and mm. I just like sharing what I see. I mean, mm. I, I, the ocean's a beautiful place and, and I just like sharing sharing the beauty, I guess. Well, and it's great that you're sharing how accessible uh, it is now. I mean, and it, it's, a, it's kind of a funny crossover with journalism and photography in a way, isn't it, that both of them have become... Yes. Those tools of the trade are so yeah. much more accessible now. This recorder that I'm recording That's... our interview on is just something that couldn't have been conceptualised well, a few years ago. That's exactly right. I mean, I'm, I'm going over to um, to Ireland in, in, in a couple of months for a, a thing called Mojo Fest, which is the, the largest mobile journalism conference in the world. And, and it's run by an amazing couple of people. Glenn Mulcahy, who's, who's former RTE um, in Ireland, organises it. And what they're doing with, with uh, mobile journalism is, is simply incredible. Uh, you know, there's, there's a journalist there, um, uh, Philip Bromwell, who just makes the most amazingly beautiful and sensitive TV packages for RTE News, but he does it all on his phone. But he, he's so he's such a great storyteller that there's so much humanity in what he does, and, and the phone just allows him, or enables him to get in close to people, and, and you know, it's not like a big full crew with lights and shoulder cameras, and it's, you know, so Philip can get in and, and talk to people, and they open up to him a bit like what we're doing right now with, mm. with your little mm. handheld mic here. It's it's a really intimate uh, experience. So, uh, you know, what, what's going on with with mobile journalism is is um, really exciting. It's a really really uh, dynamic and, and compelling space. I find just as much as computational smartphone mm. photography. It's it's I've said it before, and I'll say it again. It's, it's a great time to be a storyteller. Anyone can do it. Is it something about that phone? It's not as confronting to people in the face, is it? I mean, people are used to a phone well, being everywhere now. Well, this is exactly right. Yeah. You know, I wrote a, a, um, a little story just recently. I spoke to a bunch of uh, mobile journalists, Mojos as, as they're known, and um, I was talking to Dougal Shaw, who um, works for the BBC. He works for on, on um, a show called World Hacks, part of, part of the BBC World Service, and and he's been doing mobile journalism for the last uh, two and a half years now. And, and like he was saying, he finds that not only does it get him into, well, tight spaces or you know, it has that intimacy, but you know, he did a story about homeless people and so he was filming homeless people on, on the streets. It was really unobtrusive. No one took any notice because everyone gets phones out for selfies, so it's just another person with a phone. Uh, but also children. He was saying that when he was doing a story about that about kids uh, you know kids are so used to phones that he's just chatting with them and they're really comfortable and really natural around him whereas you shove a camera a shoulder camera lights a journo shoving a mic in your face uh, kids will, will clam up so there's a lot of things that you know mobile helps us get into and I'm just glad to be part of the journey so people should really just maybe look for your name to find out some more info if they really want to pursue higher-end yeah. iPhone yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or smartphone well, photography, I Yeah, well, you know, I, I keep um, an online portfolio, so you can always check out mm. my portfolio. Just just keyword my name, Rob Layton. Um, Instagram, of course, Rob Layton iPhoneography is my Instagram handle. Twitter, I'm always talking about mobile. There's a whole bunch of us mm. mobile journalists. So Twitter is not dead. No, Twitter no, is it's very a long much alive. Way off dead. Yeah, no, Twitter's fantastic. <laughs> In fact, Twitter um, is is a great uh, place for all of us mobile journalists. We get together and share ideas ah. and what we're doing, and we're always talking. So, jump onto Twitter, and you'll probably jump into one of our conversations about 
latest gear or you know, it's how I keep up with what's going on with mm. you know with, with my community which is all around the world so um, yeah Twitter's a good, good place to, to touch base with me for sure so coming back just finally to our beautiful Burley where yeah. we're doing this lovely interview yes. do you worry that that charm of Burley that you're so seduced by could that be lost well look you know we did have a drink just before down at the pavilion here which is very lovely um, it is quite uh, well it is what it is you know <laughs> uh, I would hate to see Burley lose its 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 charm and appeal of um, I know we we were talking before about the tram coming through I'm, I'm still mm. in two minds about what that's going to do for Burley um, how that's going to change the nature and I would I think we do need to protect the southern Gold Coast. We do need to protect the village atmosphere of the southern Gold Coast. You know, as I said, it is a city of two halves. We've got the northern Gold Coast, the Glitz and the Glam, and the southern Gold Coast, which is relaxed family, village lifestyle. I don't think we need a corridor of, uh, of high-rises, but look, you know, that, that's, that's, a, you know that, that's, that's getting into, the, into city politics there. I don't think we... I'm, I'm not really... You're just, like, coming down and yeah. getting into that burly ocean. Yeah. At 4 a.m.? Yeah, that's what it's... Crazy about. man. It's it's the best time of day. <laughs> well, it's lovely to chat with you again today, Rob. And is there anything else that you'd like to add that maybe I haven't asked or for the streets of your town? All I can say is get in the ocean and, and enjoy it. But always be very respectful of it. It can be a very dangerous place, so... Streets of Your Town is produced by Nance Haxton, a.k.a. The Wandering Journo, with production assistance from Michael Adams. That's it for this episode. I'm Nance Haxton. Stay up to date with the latest episode of Streets of Your Town by subscribing on your podcast app on iTunes or SoundCloud. See you next time.